Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week five, day four of our study of Acts. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Acts 14, 1 through 20. Welcome back to the 10-week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Before we get started, I want to encourage you to read the book of Acts once a week for 10 weeks. That's 10 times. If you read the book of Acts 10 times in these 10 weeks, it's going to get in your spirit like nothing ever has. It really will change the way that you encounter scripture. I so encourage you to do it. That's where the the whole premise behind the 10-week Bible study comes from, is that you read or listen to this on your commutes, wherever you're doing this, read or listen to it 10 times in 10 weeks. It really will change your life. With that, let's go ahead and pray before we start today. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to encounter you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. I'll be reading today from the NIV. This is Acts 14, starting in verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. All right, so they've they've moved on from Pisidian Antioch, went to Iconium. These are all relatively close together. I mean, they're not like, like a mile and a half apart, but they're all in the generally the same region of kind of southern central Turkey is, is a modern day Turkey is what we're talking about here. Verse 2. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. This is so bad. This is so bad that you're actually going out of your way to find Gentiles. You're trying to find unbelievers to get them stirred up. This is this is really bad when you're trying to convince non-believers to stand, to stand against the one true God. It's a bad, bad thing to do. Verse 3. So Paul and Barnabas spent some uh, considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lycaonian cities of Lystra and Derbe, into the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. So we see here that that, um, it's not enough for them. And this is the depth of of the depravity going on here. It's not enough for them to oppose this. It's not enough for them to just stand up against it and say, don't listen to them. They're, They're gaining converts. People are following them and it's making them so angry. They're like, we want to kill them to prevent this from going on. That's messed up. That's messed up. And I would say that people that are like this, I would say that just like Jesus, that there is murder in their heart. It's not that they wouldn't murder people. A lot of times when we see things like this today, it's that there's too much, uh, the, the society frowns upon, you know, murdering people. Um, <clears throat> in the Jewish context, you know, they felt like they had the legal authority under Jewish law to do this. That they didn't actually. That's not ever something that God grants them in the law, anywhere in the Bible. Um, But they they justified their actions, telling themselves that they had the legal authority to do this under the Mosaic law. And so, I mean, when when someone is, is bringing a different gospel... Yes, they they could do that. But when they are bringing the true gospel and and Paul is explaining, he's explained all of this. This is the true gospel. And so if someone's bringing the true gospel and you stone them, then, you know, that's that's really, really bad. 
again, I've talked about this. I, I see this. I have seen it done to other people. I've seen it done to, I've experienced it. And I see it from time to time continuing to this day where people war against people because they feel like they will not get the honor for what's going on. They will not get the accolades because someone else swoops in and, and gets the big crowds. Really, really, really bad. But it continues to this day. Verse 8. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at the man, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up to your feet. At that, man, at that the man jumped up and began to walk. I want to say something about this right here. I wrote a book for uh, a dear friend of mine named Carl many years ago. <clears throat> and, uh, and the reason I wrote a book or helped, uh, did, did some writing for him. Let me say that, um, helped, helped write a book for my friend, Carl. And, uh, the reason I did that is because my wife and I, we used to go on Friday nights when we were newly married in our twenties, no kids on Friday, many Friday nights a month, maybe two to three night Friday nights a month, we'd have a prayer meeting and then we'd go over to Carl and Helen's house and we would listen to them tell us stories story after story after story. I probably listened to hundreds of stories, literally hundreds of stories of Carl telling me about their time as missionaries in Mexico for 24 years, where they saw people supernaturally healed of almost everything. I mean, you name it, paralysis, cancer, just so many things. Uh, they, They cast demons out of people and set them free from demonic bondage over and over and over again. And <clears throat> the thing that Carl would say over and over and over again, and, 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 and a lot of people, they have this, this real um, angst, sometimes even hatred against people that they think are like faith healers, what they would call that. Um, that's not what I would consider Carl or, or a lot of people that do this. But one of the things that people have resentment against is, you know, I've just met so many people with the experience where they go to someone, they pray for them, they don't get healed. And so that person that's supposed to be the, you know, the man of God or woman of God or whatever, and is the faith healer say, well, you didn't get healed because you don't have faith. Right. And, and those people, well, they, you know, they, they come broken or they wouldn't be wanting to get healed in the first place. And they go even more broken away and it's terrible. <clears throat> and what Carl would tell me over and over again is, well, that's actually true. They don't have faith and that's why they're not getting healed. But he said, the problem is, is that of course they don't have faith. Of course they don't. Why would they have faith that they're going to be, they're sick, they're broken. Of course they don't have faith. He said, it's my job to give them the faith to be healed. And so in the case of this man, Paul looks at him and sees that he has the faith to be healed. What does that mean? So to ask Carl, like, well, how can you tell? Like, what do you do? And he said, he would, with the people that would come over, they would spend anywhere between two hours to eight hours, literally eight hours, just preaching the gospel to this person, just telling them story after story of people that have gotten healed, telling them how much Jesus loves them, telling them all, all just all of the things about who they are, the, the truth and the reality about who they are from the Bible, from the gospel, telling them stories about other people getting healed. And, and he said, sometimes it would take two hours, sometimes it would take eight, sometimes even multiple days. There's a story that we wrote about that, that I actually went and met this man where it took three days of just constant preaching at this guy. 
And Carl said he could always tell. He, he said, he said he could, it's not anything like supernatural or anything like that. You could just see the spark in their eyes, he said. You could just see that, that all of a sudden it's like, maybe the Lord really would heal me. Maybe he really would. And that hope, that, that moment of, of, of hope and faith stirring up in them. You, he said you could see it in their eyes. And he said, I would never, ever pray for them until I saw that. And then he said, as soon as I saw that, they got healed every single time. What that took from Carl was time. He had to sit with people one-on-one, two three, four, five, six, seven, eight hours, sometimes multiple days, and he would do it because he felt the responsibility, it was his responsibility to give them faith to believe, to stir up that faith to believe. And when that faith was stirred up, they would pray for them and they would get healed. And so what happened here? Paul sees this man, right? They're preaching, they're, they're talking about Jesus. He sees the lame man and all of a sudden the lame man's like, maybe this Jesus maybe this Jesus would heal me. And and Paul sees that spark of faith in his eyes. You can see it. And so that's when Paul prays for him because he did have faith to be healed. Verse 11, when the crowd uh, saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lycaonian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Verse 13, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was on was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their, cro- their clothes and rushed into the crowd, shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing the, you the good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He's shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Isn't that, isn't that just... I mean, that's a, a fantastic story. Not as like how awesome it is. It's just, it's insane, right? Is, is they get so worked up. They won't even listen to the guys that they think are gods, right? They've just performed this amazing miracle in front of them. They, all the guys, everyone in town knows who this, this, this lame beggar is. And, and now they see him walking and the, the, this, this great thing has happened. Like, oh my gosh, they're gods. We must sacrifice to them. And they're jumping up saying, no, we are not gods. We are men. We represent the one true God. We're trying to tell you about him. Don't think that we're gods. And even that, they won't listen to them. They still want to try and sacrifice to them. Verse 19. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. <clears throat> the jealousy and bitterness of, of people who oppose the move of God 
when that move of God doesn't involve them and knows no bounds, does it? Like they were there. They had followed Paul and Barnabas for the specific part. Like they didn't just hear about this multiple cities over and then rush over. Like you can't get there. There's not, it would take too much time. So they're already there. They followed him. They followed him. We would call this trolling today, right? They're trolling Paul. They're following around, kind of voyeuristically watching, waiting for an opportunity to pounce. And here they see this, this crowd is gathered and they've got this mob mentality where it's difficult to even get them not to sacrifice to them. And so there's this mob mentality going on. And somehow in that mob mentality, they're able to convince them, no, they're not gods, they're devils or something, right? They're wicked, they're evil. They're trying to keep you from finding God. or Whatever they said, they, whatever they did, they were effective. So that this crowd so quickly turned on them. I've seen this miracle. They say they must be gods. And as it can be with a mob and that mob mentality, they turn on them and decide to kill Paul. And so they stone him. Now, Luke doesn't tell us that Paul died. And I don't know for a fact that he did, but I've always wondered. <clears throat> Paul's had some encounters that he talks about where he goes to the third heaven, meaning he go, goes to the place where God is. <laughs> he meets the Lord somehow in these, these heavenly places. <clears throat> he doesn't tell us the circumstances of those things happening, but sometimes I wonder if maybe this isn't one of them. Because he's talked about how many times he, you know, later on he talks in his epistles, he talks about how many times he's been beaten and suffered and all these kinds of things, how many times he's been stoned. I don't think that it was an everyday occurrence for Jews to stone people, but I don't think it never happened. I think they knew what it looked like to stone someone to death, and I think they knew what it looked like when someone was dead. I don't know if, if Luke is euphemistically alluding to the fact that Paul was dead, that they gathered around him and prayed for him and brought him back to life. I don't know exactly what's going on. Or if Paul just had, he'd seen people be stoned. So maybe he knew how to play dead. Maybe he really was just playing possum. Um, the thing that that makes me think that it wasn't just playing possum is that he gets up from the occasion and he walks back to town, right? They get him up and they, they, he walks back to town with them. That to me sounds supernatural. If you can get stoned to death, right, getting stoned three quarters to death or even halfway to death, I don't think you're just going to pop up and walk back to town. That's my opinion. The Bible's not saying that here. But I read this, I look at this, and I'm like, is the, did Paul actually die? And did the believers gather around him and raise him back to life? When I read it, I kind of... I lean toward that. Again, it doesn't say that, so I don't know that for sure. That's my opinion. I look at that and I see that. I I, I wonder if, if Luke isn't euphemistically telling us that he, he died and came back. <clears throat> but it could be that he was playing possum. But either way, this is this is quite a remarkable moment, right? How often do you get stoned to death or stoned almost to death? and live to tell the story and move on. And he went back into the exact same city, right? This, this, this Paul, 
he blows me away that he has no fear. And I mean, I suppose why not? If you've just been stoned either to death or part, partly to death or whatever, it's like, what else can they do to you? Right? What else can they do? To you? I don't care. So they go back into the same town before they got up and left and, and went back. I think our main role model should be Jesus. Anything we should do, we should model. We should, we should follow after the example of Jesus. But my goodness, I want to be this kind of fearless. I want to be this kind of fearless. I want to be this bold with my words. I want to be this bold with my words. I want to be this bold with the gospel. And I pray that you do too. Lord, make us bold. Make us bold to speak your word. Just like this. Just like the apostles in the early days of the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.